This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. So it's about finding these little nuggets that are going to pull people in and thinking like, hey, what can we do with that? How can we make this fun? It's mixing the good news with that bad news, maybe something goofy, maybe something a little less serious, because again, nobody wants to see bad, bad, bad all the time. Sometimes they just want to break. Welcome to the Staten Island Advances from the Scene, a podcast bringing you an inside look at the biggest stories on Staten Island with the reporters who cover them. I'm your host, Eric Bascom, and this week I'm joined by Staten Island Advance social media specialist Lauren Lavallo to discuss the crucial role that social media plays in the ways we report and disseminate the news, engage with our readers, and expand our audience. Thanks for joining me today, Lauren. I'm excited for us to have a new voice on the podcast, especially one that's been doing such impressive work for us lately. Oh, thank you. And, you know, for those of you who may not know, you've been with the Advance for a while now, but you just kind of shifted into this new social media role within the past year. Mm -hmm. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about the work you were doing before that for the company? Totally, yeah. Uh, First of all, thank you so much for having me on. I have been hoping that you would be asking me soon, so this is really cool. I'm very excited to be here. I have been with the Advance or with that Lance Local since May 2014. So that's almost eight years. I had actually come in working print only. So I was responsible for, first of all, putting out the sports section with who I still consider my mentor, who he still works there, sports editor, Carmen Angioli. And then I was shifted over to the news side. So my former title was embedded curator. I was the person who laid out the newspaper. You know, it was planning, packaging, paginating, the three Ps. I never thought when I was younger, I'd be part of the newspaper scene. But here we are, 31 years old and still with it. Yeah. And you know, it's funny because I think a lot of people, sometimes our readers and our listeners, whoever, don't necessarily realize the difference between the the print and the online teams now. There's <laughs> there's such a split now. You know, I would write articles for the website and people would be like, well, when is this going in the paper? What page is this going to be on? Which photo are you going to use? I'm going to be like, well, you know, that's really above my pay grade. That's not really what I do. I could ask my friend Lauren what she's thinking <laughs> there. But yeah, I, I think it's kind of funny that people don't necessarily realize that the people writing this stuff for online are not the same people that are kind of laying out the paper. Like you said, we were still kind of working together in a sense. It's interesting the differences there, but the work you're doing now in this new role is is pretty different than that original role with the company. So what has that transition been like for you? And, And what are some of the things you would say you were able to kind of take away from that first job that have now helped you in your new role? Yeah, so the, the transition was actually a lot smoother than I had anticipated. Definitely both behind the scenes jobs, you know, being very similar. There's a lot of planning that goes into both of them. I guess 
I was able to take into this new role. It, it, it sounds like a canned answer, but just how to stay calm, how to trust my judgment. News judgment is a very important thing that you have to develop, especially in our line of work. So I think it's just a matter of showing people what they want to see, introducing things that you think that they should check out as well. I think working the print side really prepared me, you know, between you have to plan things out, between what you're putting on the first page, on the front page, what you're putting on Sunday's front page, the feature sections. It's very meticulous. Everything is very meticulous and there's a lot of thought that goes behind these things. And that's certainly what I do with the social media where it's it's just a lot of thinking, what do people wanna see, giving them what they wanna see and showing them what you think they might be interested in as well, kind of expanding their minds because there's a lot of good things and cool things that go on on Staten Island. So yeah, I think that the, the transition was a lot smoother, frankly, just because I had learned so much in my seven years on the print side of what to do, what not to yeah, do. Yeah, and you know, also as someone who is not a native Staten Islander, I'm sure kind of <laughs> kind of being in that role and just learning about the borough over all those years probably helped. Things are newsworthy here that you might not think would be as newsworthy, <laughs> like people react to certain stories in a way that you wouldn't expect them to and then other things that you think are going to resonate don't necessarily so I would imagine just kind of seeing all of the news over and over again for all that time and handling all the stories and and you know as a reporter I, I see the stories I write sometimes I'll read some of the other people's you're seeing everyone's stories right you're kind of responsible <laughs> for curating that stuff so you get to see everything that's going on around Staten Island for all those years kind of putting the paper together I, I would imagine as someone who's not from here that that kind of helped you learn about the borough right and now kind of be able to cover it in a different way it's actually it's funny you say that so i refer to it as accidental knowledge <laughs> man i could tell you anything you want about staten island about city and state government about so many different issues anything you want to know about deer turkeys yeah right like i it's it's over these last eight almost eight years because my job every single day for again almost eight years has been to read everything I go through each and every story that hits our website and it's incredible. And I will say shout out to the reporters because I find you folks to be awesome in everything you write. Um, not that I'm biased or anything, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, as I, I'm not a native Staten Islander, I'm actually, I'm from Connecticut, I'm from Southern Connecticut. And I came over to Staten Islands for college. I went to Wagner College for undergrad, graduate, played water polo and landed at this job kind of by accident actually. And it just, it's wild that A, I'm fortunate enough to still be standing here, you know what I mean? But Staten Island is such a different type of place, but in the best way possible. And I love it for that. It's so much fun. The people are amazing. And it's just really cool that reporters, our reporters get to write about all these people all the time. And I get to read about all these people all the time. It's a fun place. It's truly unique, but in the best way possible, in my opinion. Yeah. And I love that term you used, accidental knowledge, because I yeah. find myself with so much of that as the transportation reporter, which is something I had never envisioned myself being. But now I find myself driving around the island. I'm like, oh, I can't believe they added another traffic light there. Oh, well, I bet it's because of this. And, this. and I, my friends are like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know why I know this. I don't know why it's like ingrained in my head, but it just kind of sticks with you after you see it long enough. So it's interesting. But 
I want to move on. So I think that when people hear, you know, the role of social media specialist or whatever we want to coin it, they're, they're not even exactly sure what that means sometimes. As we both know, every day on the job is different for us as, yes. as reporters or at a newspaper. It can be a million different things. But can you walk us through just some of your day-to-day work? Like what does a quote-unquote average day look like for you? Right, yeah. Um, well, as you say, every day is so different. There are elements that are going to be similar about like the pacing is always going to be different though, depending on what's going on in the news day. Again, similar to my to my former job on the print side, which by the way, I adored working print side. You know, people love to say it's a dying, it, it's just like print, it's dying or whatever, which mm-hmm. if there was ever a time to trigger me, that's yeah. what people would say. <laughs> but like I had such a great time with that. But sim- so similar to my old job, it's a lot of background work. I'm constantly looking at news headlines from our own website, local, state, national level, gathering information from all these other websites, whether there are sister sites within Advanced Local, other news organizations, seeing what is happening, uh, what people are reading, or trying to consider what we think could perform well on our social media platforms. Again, I'm one of the main people who kind of takes care of the Instagram account. You know, it's funny, to me, because I used to say, to, when people would ask me what I did, I would say I work for you know a, a local paper on Staten Island, and we'd get into conversation with that. And then if it was a Staten Islander, you know, I'd say, oh, I work at the Advance, and they say, oh, what do you do? And I say, or I used to say, if you ever saw something in the newspaper that you didn't like, that's what I did. I put that there. So I want to apologize. Um, so I kind of, I do that with the, with the Instagram account, right? Yeah. I'm the person who puts the things on the Instagram account for better or for worse. It's about considering what is going to perform well, what we think our audience wants to see. I'm taking into consideration the analytics from our back end, what people are reading across and what the patterns, right? Cause there's always going to, there's always patterns, especially with, with the news cycle um, of what, kind of touches people, what pulls them in. So it's, it's a lot of consideration for that. It's definitely difficult sometimes, I will say, because I can't include any of my personal opinions because right. th- then we wouldn't be an unbiased news organization. A lot of people like to say we're biased, but I promise <laughs> you we're not. I get a lot of, how could you guys cover this? Or how could you post this on yeah. Instagram or Facebook or Twitter? But it's like, how could we not? It's our due diligence right. to do that. I, I always think back to what my former mentor, Carmine Angioli, again, the current sports editor for the Advance. I love that man. He's phenomenal. But he used to say that if somebody complains that you're too far one way, but that somebody else complains that you're too far the other way, that you're actually doing a good job. Right. I also do think part of this job is is showing that we are very active on social media, whether that is on our Facebook main page, our Facebook groups, Twitter, Instagram, you know, that's the reason why we try to repost readers' photos at least once a day to show them that, you know, we are looking. There are a lot of photos to get through, but we are looking and we do appreciate that kind of engagement and we want that engagement, especially being a a small local newspaper. I would say like my day-to-day is also planning out a lot of stuff. It's it's planning for the future. What are we gonna be covering? What events should we consider covering? How can we tie in something Um, with social media, with Facebook Lives. So it's a lot of discussion work. I would say my job is about 85% social media. And then there's the 15% component of being a reporter, finding stories, human interest stories, aggregations. You know, I kind of slotted into the arts and culture reporter role that our former colleague, 
Victoria Priola had left and she did a phenomenal job. So I'm just trying to keep up with, with her legacy. But yeah, so day to day, it's just seeing what people are interested in and then trying to deliver that to them. We'll be right back. The Mayor of Maple Avenue is a powerful multi-part podcast about Sean Sinisey, a victim of former Penn State football coach Jerry Sandusky, who was arrested 10 years ago for numerous child sexual abuse charges. The podcast series is written and hosted by Pulitzer Prize-winning reporter Sarah Gannam, who takes listeners into the world of addiction rehabilitation, where society can be quick to celebrate the consequences for abusers while not addressing the needs of their victims. Subscribe now to the Mayor of Maple Avenue wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, it's a lot for sure. And so, you know, one of the biggest things that our social media team does and that we as the reporters are extremely grateful for is promoting our articles and our other content, you know, this podcast, the videos that we make, the photos we take, you know, promoting all of that stuff across all of our different social media platforms. So can you kind of walk us through that process a little bit? How do you decide, you know, which content to share, when to share it and and how to present it in a way that that'll really resonate with our readers? I have to say, it's, it's really trial and error and experiment and being flexible and understanding that there really is, there are no mistakes. I mean, well, there are like mistakes, like, like spelling errors, right. but like when it comes, when it comes to actually putting, putting content out there, there are no mistakes because things are going to hit different than other things would. Right. For promotion. I think the tough thing too is, is keeping it uniform, trying to, to, sh- to deliver content in, in ways that are become familiar to people. We don't want posts to look so significantly different because I think that that maybe is jarring to their followers and maybe it, it becomes something that's that turns them off. It's, it's deciding if you if something should be you know a, a plain photo, a quote card, uh, if there should be something done as more engagement. I really take the cue from the way that a reporter has written a story. So it's about finding these little nuggets that are going to pull people in and thinking like, hey, what can we do with that? How can we make this fun? In the same breath, you know, I wish that there was more, there were more hours in the day. Right. Because then I could actually like do even more. But yeah, I think when it comes to promotion, it's mixing the good news with that bad news, with the hard hitting news and any sort of breaking news. Um, Maybe something goofy, maybe something a little less serious because again, nobody wants to see bad, bad, bad all the time. Um, Sometimes they just want to break. It's definitely just trying to strike a balance in trying to make sure that content is being fairly distributed so that we're, again, we're not only just doing hard hitting breaking news, but we're pulling in stories from from all different kinds of reporters because then that also gets them exposure it's really important for us to to get our reporters each of them their their due their exposure i mean that's a that's a really big part of it like i was saying for earlier this is something that's extremely important to us as the reporters because the the more promotion that you guys do and the better promotion that you guys do the more we see the results in our in our page views on our articles or in our listens on this podcast i mean i know from experience that the podcast episodes that we promote a little more heavily on our social media channels 
channels and on our websites tend to do better than the ones that that would you know maybe don't get as much shine on those uh, on those platforms. So, just the idea that obviously the creation of the content by us is important, and we want to make strong content. But then the other side of it is making sure that it's getting out there to the people in yeah. a way that is easily accessible to them and palatable. There's just so many different aspects of it that are that are so important to the business now that I think can sometimes be lost on the on the reader slash listener. But you know, I want to talk about another one of your responsibilities, which kind of goes hand in hand with promoting content, some of our content at least, which is running our very popular now Facebook <laughs> food group called Where Staten Island Eats and Drinks. If you have not uh, joined that group yet, I, I recommend that you do. And now to our listeners, you know, running a Facebook group may sound kind of easy, but you could ask our colleague Mark Stein, who used to run the group before you took over. Uh, it could be anything but that at times. And I think he was kind of glad to hand it off. So <laughs> what exactly goes into uh, running and monitoring a group that now has over 34,000 members in it? Yeah, I'm going to start with saying, for the record, I am not the only mod. Right, so right. So please don't come I see at you me. in there a lot, though. I see you in there a lot. <laughs> yes, I, I try. I mean, I love, I'm literally wearing a sweatshirt that says oysters on it. I love food. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I will say, I'm not the only mod. Please, please don't come at me. Come at, I mean, if you have compliments, please. By sure. All but, Send those this um, way. <laughs> the group itself, I mean, it's it's a beast of a group. Yeah, it really is. And it, it people are so active, which is incredible. And, and I love it. So I, getting used to modding that group, giving, being handed over the reins as being one of the people to, to mod the group, I try to be active in it as best as I can while simultaneously kind of letting it live and breathe on its own. Oh man, it's interesting, but it's fun because so many people are in there who are so knowledgeable. If you have a an, an honest question, so many people are are there to help you. You need a recommendation for for a six foot sub for a kid's party. You know, people, yeah. there's going to be like 12 comments within probably like half hour. Um, I, I think that it's there. It's filled with very helpful people. For me, it's trying to be hands off if possible when I can. People do bring politics into things. They'll bring in off topic content. And we have to decide, you know, if we remove something and like, because it sets a certain precedent. So like, for example, in one of our rules is, you know, no politics. So right off the bat, if somebody is not even talking about food and they try to post something where we nix that, we say, no, 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 you can't. That's not what we're about here. It's literally called where Saturday Island eats and drinks. It's really hard because you don't want to turn off the audience or that engagement. You want this to be a safe space for people to talk and discuss. As you say, we have 34, maybe just over 34,000 people on that Facebook group. On Instagram, we have, I think, currently 76,000, maybe 77,000 followers on our Instagram. I find it much harder, and I kind of pause a little bit more when I'm about to post on our on our Wear Sound Island and Eats and Drinks yeah. Facebook page, more than I would on the Instagram page, just because I'm like, 
I know people are going to be commenting and respond and well, responding. I was going to say the Facebook <laughs> commenters are a bit of a different beast than the uh, than the Instagram commenters. I think for for whatever reason, I, I see on on Facebook people tend to to really let it fly <laughs> a little bit, but... which is interesting because it's like there's no anon. Yeah, that's the one that has like your face associated. Yeah, with it and like your, your name, actual yeah. name. And but people, people are, like... are very brazen in that uh, <laughs> in that group. But um, so so let's move on. Another aspect of your job now is is getting on camera and, and hosting some of these Facebook lives to engage with our followers. So yeah. as someone who had previously been working behind the scenes on the print product, what's it been like adjusting to that more forward-facing position and, and having to put yourself out there more on camera? I was, I will say I was nervous at first because, you know, there being that, that, that live aspect, it's super daunting, you know, but as with anything, the more you do it, the more comfortable you get. Mm-hmm. I think it helps. I do not mind making a fool out of myself at all so long as it's like good natured fun um and i actually whenever i do facebook lives for you know this best of series um or whatever else i will usually tell people if they don't know what to talk about or if they feel like they get stuck they can literally look at me pick something and and just make a joke at my expense i don't mind like we'll kind of like you know like loosen up that's great we'll be good yeah but yeah i mean the adjustment from going strictly behind the scenes from print and strictly behind the scenes for doing some social media stuff to being in front of a camera in front of a live audience which you know i've done facebook lives that have had i want to say like up to at one time like 900 or 1000 people watching for a little bit before it kind of like drops out and, and like evens out is you know it's scary but i also got to learn from the best i i'm i'm on a team that has mark stein and shane DeMeo, who are veterans at this and just having their tips has helped me tremendously and seeing the way that they do their lives and how they present themselves it's i mean i'm always learning you know what i mean like i, I will never ever claim in my life to know everything about anything and I feel so fortunate to, to be learning from the actual best. They are the face of the advance, right? Learning what they do, how they do it, how they deliver has been incredibly helpful. And I do not think I would be able to do what I do without them showing me the ropes. But yeah, it just, it takes some time to get comfortable on camera. I like to say now I am comfortable on camera, although just wait for my next Facebook live. I probably <laughs> fumble everything, but yeah. Well, so another thing I wanted to touch on is that, you know, as reporters, at times we have to deal with some some comments from our viewers or our listeners that are either rude, unprofessional, or, or sometimes borderline mean, just to be, to be honest with you. And so it can be particularly difficult when you're seeing those comments, especially on, you know, a Facebook Live because they're coming through in real time, right? So you've got like a thousand people watching you and you've got people being mean in the comments and you're just like <laughs> looking at them and trying to keep going as if everything is fine. So is that something that you've had to deal with yet? And, and if so, how do you kind of shake those things off and, and kind of keep it going? So I, you know, it might be hard to believe, but I'm actually like a super, super shy and sensitive and overall incredibly nervous person, just yeah. in general. I've definitely grown out of that somewhat. But so I remember years ago when I was obviously still on the print side, I was not even at the advance for a year at this point. So I'm a 23 year old kid. We were called the print lab. The print lab was where everything happens for print side. That's where, you know, uh, again, we paginated, we planned everything out. We chose the photos, we did everything. We made sure content was all clean, all good to go. So I'm working one night and I'm alone because um, my boss Carmine is off. 
somehow somebody either got the number, the phone number to the print lab or they were transferred into the print lab, which never happened, right? I mean, if there were complaints about the newspaper, they were answered by other people, front-facing people, even our executive editor, Brian Leyline, who would, you know, explain why we did certain things. It was never us to, to talk. We were never front-facing in any way. So I get this call and it's this incredibly irate parent who is just starts screaming about how I think it was like we forgot or we didn't include his or her child's um, JV basketball game in our roundup because we used to we always do like roundups. How dare you? Right. So, I mean, just she is going off screaming at me. And I'm just this kid and I'm so, I feel so small. So yeah. Tiny, right. <laughs> and I just like, I was horrified because I didn't have any of the answers. It turns out it was in the paper, by the way. They just oh, missed it completely. Of course. Um, great. So, but it was then that I realized that no matter what I do, it's, there are going to be people, people who are not happy. You know what I mean? Like, right. It doesn't matter if it was wrong, right. Whatever the it's, I'm not going to be able to please everybody. That's kind of like what it is for commoners, right? You let them say their piece because you know that you're not going to make everybody happy. It's just like, God, it's, 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 it can be difficult, but you have to realize that you can't let them dictate how you feel. Uh, I think it, I mean, it is, there's definitely a hundred percent value in, in reading through the comments it's just like knowing how not to get them in your head. Yeah. Um, and, and there, but there have been some, some cutting commenters that know exactly what to say. Yeah. And, but the thing is, it's like you learn, well, I've learned, you know, working for a newspaper and then working for the newspaper's website. We're a public forum. We're putting ourselves out there. We are, yeah. And so it's like people have the right to comment on what we're saying, on what we're doing. They have that right. It's just, it's not, nothing is permanent. You know what I mean? And like, I don't know. I'd, I'd be lying if I said I didn't have a good amount of self-doubt sometimes when, when certain things are said. But when it comes to social media, you just have to get over yourself. Yeah, well, you know, my story was uh, is more in the way of the just straight up mean spirited comments <laughs> from uh, from someone on Facebook. So, I'll, I'll go through this quickly. But so when I was maybe in my second or third year with the company, I had kind of uh, just getting adjusted to the transportation beat. Uh, so I'm also maybe 23, 24 years old at this time, and I was out doing a Facebook live on Richmond Avenue. Um, talking about the roadway conditions, all the potholes, DOT needing to fix it. So I was kind of in the middle of Richmond Avenue, walking back and forth on these medians, trying to talk into a Facebook Live while also kind of dodging traffic and, and doing all this kind of stuff. And so for, for those of our uh, listeners who may not know, I used to be uh, much heavier than I am now. And so I was getting a little winded while I was kind of going back and forth and trying to talk a mile a minute on the Facebook Live because I'm nervous and it's outside and it's whatever. And so one of the commenters on the Facebook Live wrote, our roads are in worse shape than this reporter, <laughs> which, yeah, I mean, <laughs> as far as fat jokes go, not the worst one I had ever gotten in my life. But when you're seeing it in real time and you're trying to do your job, it's a little jarring and you're like, uh. Uh, our colleague Mark Stein actually hopped in and, and kind of got on that guy about it. But uh, like things like that, like why? Like what possesses you? Like that's just straight mean, like whatever. But like you see those kinds of things on Facebook Live, you're seeing it as you're going. And then you have to kind of like snap back into like, okay, I'm doing my job here. I'm not going to address this. This guy's just being a 
lack of a better term. Uh, so, but yeah, that, you know, it's, it's just to go off of that too. Um, doing Facebook lives, you do want to read the comments, but it's like, you have to have like two trains of thought. So you're like keeping on what you're covering. Yeah. There's what you're covering. And then it's like, seeing what people are writing about and trying to think of ways to answer them. And it's hard and people don't understand that it's hard. And that's what every, I think not every, but almost every person I've done a Facebook live with, whether they're business owners, artists, whatever, what have you, they always say at the start of it, like, Oh my God, I'm so nervous. Cause like, I, I didn't expect like whatever. And then they'll say, you know, it was hard at the end of it. They'll say it was harder than they thought. But at the same time it went so quickly and like you don't remember you kind of black out i black yeah. out when i do facebook lives well part of it i think too is like when you're interviewing someone for anything even like talking to you now is that right i'm listening to what you're saying and i want to be able to react to that but i'm also thinking about what i want to say next to, to kind of lead into the next question but if i'm thinking about that too much then i might miss something that you say that i want to build on so it really is kind of that that you know your brain's in a million places at once but let's let's move on one more thing before you go i just wanted to to kind of ask you know one thing that's really cool about your job is that you get to to cover so many of these different types of events and stories and so uh, i was just curious what are some of your favorite things that you've gotten to cover so far in your time as a social media reporter for us oh uh you know it's it's gonna sound like unbelievable but honestly it's quite literally everything that i've done (laughs) um i like because i really am i'm such a people person Mm -hmm. um and i love speaking to people about what they're passionate about that's what I always say to people whenever like I'm interviewing Facebook Live or or whatever else, what have you. Hearing people speak about their passion is my passion. Hearing what's meaningful to other people is meaningful to me. Um, I've been to you know sets, I've been to premieres, I've spoken to musicians, uh, artists, directors, people who have been affected by certain events, and you know it's like you you like leave a little piece of yourself with them. I really truly believe that everything I do, it just, it it sticks with me. It really truly is my favorite part of this job is, is getting to interact with people for better or for worse. You know, I love Staten Island. I'm so protective of it, not being from here, but then kind of like adopting it as my pseudo hometown, I guess. I, I don't know. My stepmom is from Staten Island. My, my step grandma still lives on the island. Staten Island has given me so much and I'm so grateful for it. And, you know, whenever I'm out in the community and, and to tell Staten Islanders stories, there's nothing better than that to me. So quite literally, my favorite part of my job is my job. <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, you, you are you are doing a fantastic job with it. And I want to thank you so much for joining me today, Lauren. And I, I look forward to having you on again soon. I would love to be on this again. Seriously, sincerely. Did you know on April 20th, 1963, brush fires burned through three Staten Island neighborhoods, Rossville, Tottenville, and Mariner's Harbor, destroying approximately 100 houses and causing over $2 million in damages? Thank you for listening to the Staten Island Advances from the scene. If you like what you've heard, please make sure to rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit SILive.com for the latest on all these stories and more. Thank you for supporting local journalism.